This is Recovery Revolution Live. The episode you're about to listen to is live and unedited. If you'd like to join us on the live stream, you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. Facebook.com slash Recovery Revolution 100 or search Recovery Revolution Live on YouTube. What is up, you gorgeous, gorgeous people? Turn your phone down. (laughs) (laughs) It's not mine. Whose is it? JR, probably. Up, you gorgeous, gorgeous people. Turn your phone down. (laughs) He's on an echo. I put him on mute. That's awesome. (laughs) Already. He's barely in the feed, and he's already on mute. Already on mute. It is streaming on Instagram, but the the proportions are really weird. So you see all of Pamela, and then you see a little side sliver of Elsie and a little side sliver of Jason. Wow. <laughs> you got to love Instagram for their weird proportions on everything I post. I always can, get it wrong. Can you rotate it? I don't know. Nope. That's why I'm trying I pam- to rotate that's why my phone I, and it's not working. I always have to get Pamela's help. <laughs> There's my oh, And there goes JR. He's out. What, what, he just threw JR out. Get no. out. He did it himself. <laughs> he did. <laughs> uh, uh, now, oh, now Instagram so... is just seeing the little corner right there in the center of our screen and can't really see anybody. So come back, JR. Beta. Beta yeah. testing at its finest right here. That's what happens when you're the first. When you're when you're the leader and you're the first, That's hey, right. it's like a podcast though they can hear it. Dude, certainly Instagram doesn't want to miss it. That is such an awesome compliment to the group, to the mission, to the show. It is. It is. It's true. It's We're pioneers true. in this shit. I'm telling right. you, it, it, it's you know, for, and and especially it's got to be Jr. Jr. was one of the early pioneers of this whole entire mission so of course he's going to be involved in something brand new and i love it love it mm-hmm. grateful to be here same it's good to see you guys i felt like i was gone for too long well you were yeah i had things yeah. going on. <laughs> that's important good. things too so that's yeah that's right that's right yeah Very. but i'm glad to be back because this is also very important (laughs) certainly is and you guys just don't understand that we we are amongst a true healer tonight uh you know when i think about pamela pamela of course uh, is one of my best friends my soul family my soul sister and you know i'm so grateful that she gets to sit here with you all tonight because you know she is just when I think about Pamela, I think of just an authentically beautiful soul who's greatly talented and she's just a lover of all humanity. And it's a tr- and she's a true lover. Like it's no, you know, it's no BS. Like she just wants to know about everyone's experience and, you know, from, you know, the recovery community and, and everything that's touched Pamela's life she has wanted to know more about she's a true seeker so 
you know, I am honestly grateful to be able to have the honor to introduce her tonight. Her book, I Didn't Come This Far to Only Come This Far, is just a true inspiring story about, you know, her life and, and how we all hold trauma and the ways we all go through things and how you can come back from any background and heal. So I'm so grateful to be sitting in the presence of my great friend and my other beautiful friends, Miss Pamela Topjian. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you so much. You're always <laughs> way too kind. <laughs> Never. Not Made kind me feel enough. so special. Thank you so much. Um, it's funny you say that I'm so interested in everybody's story and everything. I was already asking them questions about recovery and stuff. <laughs> and Jason it. was like, this might be good for when we're recording, when we're on. <laughs> yeah, it was <laughs> a great question, you know. <laughs> she has a knack for that. A knack for that. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm just honored to be here. I mean, you guys have had some really, really seriously amazing guests and I don't know how I got so lucky to be on here as well. So thank you, everybody. Because you're amazing, duh. Right. I guess. Right. <laughs> right. No, right. it's a, it's a great pleasure to meet you, uh, you know, face to face, even if it is only online, Pamela. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's great to meet you guys as well. Thank you. Well, we should probably start out a little bit with with how Pamela like comes to be here with us because you know like Pamela hasn't necessarily had you know like substance abuse issues herself but she's walked hand in hand with you know with with people with active addiction issues in working in our field and you know so she's got an amazing story amazing story yeah, I, I worked with detox and recovery people. I've also had, um, I was married to an alcoholic and then another, uh, my second marriage was to an alcoholic and was also um, addicted to prescription medication. And uh, he was, ended up being abusive. And um, then I also have another close family member that um, is now, um, free from any substance for any substance abuse for, I think, 11, 12 years now. And um, so I have some personal experience in that way with uh, being the family member of and and then also in my nursing career, I've worked just for a short time, actually, not a whole long of a time in detox and recovery in a few different areas of it. And um just really, I'm just going to say from my own experience, it just seems like a lot of it is really corrupt. A lot of it is maybe doing more damage than, than uh, helping. Mm. Um, some people, of course, have been helped even in the places that I worked. Um, but I think more so than not has done more damage. And I hate to say that, but because um, I don't want to deter anybody from going to any recovery places because I know there's some really great ones out there. But where I had worked, um, you know, had pros and cons, of course, as they all do. But uh, I had worked overnight shift. And um, so that helps a little bit because you're not in with 
all the other staff and everything. And you get to hear some of the stories and talk to some of the people and see the hard work that they go through. And I just think that, you know, people don't realize how hard it is. The, you know, I have been through my own breakdown and have been, have went through my own kind of recovery. Um, and I just cannot imagine years and years and years, and all of you have that experience, years of going through that recovery from, you know, at the trauma that goes along with um, addiction. And oftentimes that's what's led people to addiction is the trauma they went through. And I just can't imagine having to go through even what I had went through for many years. But then these kids mainly, I mean, there's older people too, but, um, you know, go through such hard work just to try to get off of the substances and, uh, and people don't realize, you know, how sick and how hard it is for them. And then to still have to go through the rest of their life with the stigma. So I congratulate all of you guys for recovering out loud and, you know, putting this, putting this and all the other recovery community stuff that people are doing, putting it out there because it's so important for people to see, you know, to hear these stories of recovery. It's just, it's amazing. Mm, and they need yeah. to see that. Yeah. Thank you. Beautiful, I, yeah. I want to know if you, cause I, I know in, in a treatment setting, you got a lot of people that fall off. You know, you got a lot of people yeah. that run, take off, relapse, maybe even in-house, yeah. you know, and all that. Uh, did you find that at all uh, discouraging or did you never lose your passion and resolve and uh, continue to like have hope for people? I would say I always had hope for anybody that came through the door, even if they came through the door and left the same, you know, within hours. Mm. Um, I always hold on to hope for everybody, but um, I do, I did see, you know, I didn't see anybody go through, have any relapse in-house. I did see people take off. I did not feel like anybody that was there was really getting the help that they needed. And when they left, I thought, oh, good, you didn't get stuck. I mean, this is terrible to say, but I've seen people that were in there much longer than they really needed to be because their insurance was paying. I've also seen people in there that needed more than what we had to offer, but because the insurance paid or because the parent's credit card was there for for the um for the center you know just the pay is what kept them there and mm. uh they needed to be somewhere else or they needed you know they either needed more help or they didn't need this kind of help so um so the people that left i kind of felt like i hope you find somewhere better you know i hope you find a better place or you find recovery in another in another way so yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a tragic it's a it's a tragic business, you know, because yeah. it is it's that's the unfortunate part is that it is still a business and yeah. and when we mix, you know, lives and the quality of life in with a business, there's always that 
real gray area. You know, I had that experience when I went to in-house treatment when, you know, my job fired me and I was doing really well. And for it's like the first time I had hope that I could really, you know, get through this. And when they just came to me one day and said, well, your, your job let you go. And so your insurance has run out. And I was like, well, do I get to finish out the month? And I just remember the counselor just shaking her head and looking so solemnly. And she's like, no, we got to put you on a plane today. And that was a very, very, I mean, I can honestly say that the hopelessness that I felt in that, that for the first time I felt, felt like I was making strides. I was beginning to understand myself and for it to be snatched away so quickly, you know, and this was way back in, in, in the late nineties, early, well, early two thousands, I guess. And so, you know, I can see that there's, there's hopelessness in that. So I, I too, I'm with you, Pamela. I commend, you know, every human being that even graces the doors of, of treatment centers for all the, the, you know, the nurses like you that, that had a heart to, to be there and see the people through the business. And, and, and I'm going through that, an integrity moment right now with, with a treatment center that's here close to me that, that I used to do a lot of work with. And and sometimes you see that darker side and it hurts. But then when you think about how many people are suffering and knowing that only like one in 10, I think Ashley has the better numbers on this, but like only one in 10, one in 10 get actually get the help that they need. You know, it's, it's a reason that I continue to, to, to do this because there's some people that a lot of this is, is their recovery program. A lot of the things that we put out in the world um, as, as being people that recover out loud, this is part of people's recovery program. And, you know, I hope that I'm always in, in this space in some way or another. Yeah. It's, well, uh, that's why I like being in it in the way that I am, you know, where it's mm-hmm. just, I can, I can meet new people and hear their stories and I, I get to learn from them and maybe they might learn from me when I relate yeah. to their story. But, you know, in that kind of situation with the treatment centers, it sucks because so many of them are like, contracted with other places Mm -hmm. so so like typically even if they're gonna you know like give you a referral to another place for different type of care it's like a small hand selected amount of places you know and i don't know man it's like to me i think that it should be more individualized than that you know like these these systems of care should be set up in a way where people are showing up and they're thoroughly assessed and then they are uh referred out you know to Mm -hmm. get the help that they need specifically and that could be you know based partially on the outcome of their results, but also on like their personal preferences or belief systems or, you know, what, whatever, Uh, you know, different strokes for different folks. And that, that would be impossible to do if you have this short list of uh, partners. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And then everybody wants the money. So they don't want, they don't want to kick them up to over to somebody else anyway. Right. Right. unfortunately it is it is Mm. yeah and i also saw um 
you know, where the, I, since I worked overnights, we would have people that would come in to be admitted um, on my shift. And the doctor who oversaw everybody, you know, I would have a video chat with them and they would tell me what, you know, what paperwork and what boxes needed to be checked and, and what kind of um, assessments that we needed to do before we could let them go to bed you know, and mm. give them a room and everything and then finish up the assessment the next day, right? So you didn't have to do pages and pages because so many times there would be people sitting in the chair across the desk from me that were falling asleep. It was the middle of the night and, you know, they'd be falling asleep or they weren't, you know, in the best mindset at that time. And maybe they did need to sleep and get some breakfast and, and whatever, and then come That's back and finish the That's typically the assessment. case when you show up at treatment, you're coming down right, you know, right. or you're still yeah. high. Yeah. yeah right. Know. But then the but then the medical director would say because they wanted their day staff had so much more to do than the night shift staff. So the medical director would go from from my experience from where I worked, the medical director would say, "No, I don't care what the doctor says. You have to do all the paperwork." So they're signing things, you're having to wake them up. And they're scribbling and they don't understand what you're saying. And you know that you're asking a million questions and you know they're not fully there. And it just made me so frustrated to have to, to do that, um, you know, with, with those people. Even though the doctor who is really the one that should be calling the shots and telling us what to do, the medical director said, no, you have to keep them in your chair, sometimes three hours to get through everything. And to me, that was so wrong. And then also the medical director. And so I'm just I'm not saying any. Um, of course, I won't say any names, but um, this is not just this place. I know that this happens other places, too. Um, but uh, they would say, you know, give them these medications, give them these standard things that we usually give people. And then. Um, you know, in the morning, then the doctor will okay medications. And as a nurse, that's going against my license right there. I'm not going to give somebody medicine that the doctor didn't give an order for. And, you know, so that's, you know, all those things. And there's so much more, but that's, you know, part of why I left, you know, and I, I went to others that, um, you know, that weren't overnight care and stuff, but, um, you know, that was just like an outpatient, and uh, so, I mean, there, I tried a few different ways. And then another one that was so much more of like a psychiatric kind of a hospital um, that was so much more than substance abuse or addiction. Um, but you'd have people detoxing in there as well as people maybe with, you know, schizophrenia or other other issues, you know. Um, so that was a really scary place. <laughs> And uh, so, yeah, so you would, there was all kinds of discrepancies and things that were kind of corrupt and against, you know, you know, my morals and, and, you know, ethical, you know, medication, um, you know, the healthcare, you know, ethics and, <laughs> you know, all of that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. I mean, if, yeah. if really you're feeling you're feeling convicted by it you got to respond accordingly right like and that's yeah. for for their best interest right because you, you 
you're not obligated to participate and then right. for for your own as well you know mm -hmm. your own integrity your own peace of mind yeah so good on you so what i want to hear about this book that you wrote uh, uh <laughs> what was what what made you want to write a book in the first place so okay so i was i had this major breakdown after i left my second husband um and he was uh an, an addict and um so i left him he was abusive and when i left it was in the middle of the night after being beat up and that and um and I thought, oh, great, everything's wonderful now. I'm, I'm on my own. I'm free of him, and everything will be wonderful. But I didn't realize, you know, I started getting, I was fearful. I was having night terrors. I was um, getting very depressed and even suicidal and just having all the PTSD symptoms. And I kind of had a traumatic childhood as well. And I didn't really tie that together. I didn't really... Um, consider that I had uh, any CPTSD symptoms or anything at that time. But I just really crashed. After I left him, I just had this crash. And um, I ended up coming to California. And um, there's a whole, there's a great bus ride story that I'll tell you <laughs> if you want. But um, so I started writing my whole life story as part of my own healing to kind of be able to connect the dots and to kind of be able to see where everything fit together in my life. Like how did this happen and this lead to this and this lead to this and writing it all out was not necessarily to publish it to begin with. Um, it was also partially because I was suicidal and I thought if I don't make it out of this place that I was at, I will kind of have a record of it all. You know, I will have a record of it all for my kids or whoever was left that that cared or wanted to know what happened. You know, I would have sort of this record of, of how I was feeling at the time because I really felt like I was losing my mind. I really felt like I didn't know, you know, I wasn't sure like, you know, um, you know, I couldn't really fully take care of myself and um, just was in a bad way. So... I started writing as therapy and then I started reading other memoirs and I had noticed the, some of the things that I could relate with and how it helped me to see that, um, that I wasn't alone, that other people have sure. felt the way that I did and made it out of that. And I thought this, you know, as I got closer to, um, you know, to healing and overcoming that, I thought, I think I'm going to go ahead and try to publish this. And <laughs> then I had to go Let's ahead and read and edit everything. <laughs> it is amazing. Clean it up. <laughs> yeah. JR had a similar story. He said it was like his manual for <laughs> like, <laughs> like he was just trying to write down all these little <laughs> things that like made sense to him or like had an impact on him. And then yeah. ended up, ended up. Uh, yeah. Later realizing yeah. like this could actually help some people maybe I should yeah <laughs> yeah that's a yeah and i i also i was having um so i was having nightmares i had been through therapy i was doing really well and i was still having nightmares reliving the night i had left my second husband 
and I couldn't fully remember what had happened um, that night. And um, so I kept having, kept reliving it. And I was having like even flashbacks, like during the day, like it would come to me as something would, it was like a, you know, like a, like being hit over the head and it'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, and just, you would see something and you knew that it was real. It was what had happened. Right. So, um, so then one night I had had a nightmare again and I thought, why am I still having these? Why is this? I was so mad because I thought I was completely healed, you know, <laughs> and I was so mad that I was still having nightmares. And so I got up, it was like two or three in the morning and I just wrote it out, wrote out everything in the nightmare for, you know, and then everything that came to mind as I was writing out the nightmare, you know, like three pages or something, just, you know, pen on paper. And, um, and that what I wrote that night is in the book. And that was kind of like one big part of after that night, and after writing it all out, I kind of really figured out what had happened that night. Because up to that point, I wasn't fully sure. I had kind of lost time, and um, so then this when like I a was revelation, it was yeah. And so I think that that to me, I think that's really huge in the book. Um, I just wrote out word for word what I wrote down on that paper. But also then when I was in therapy, um, and my therapist said something about you know having been neglected as a kid and we were really poor and um, my mother wasn't around because my father wasn't around. They had divorced and my father wasn't helping in um, financially or physically in any way or anything. And so my mother had to work several jobs and wasn't around and we lived in poverty and I did never, I never, I was alone a lot. I never really considered that I had been, you know, neglected because you think of that as like a form of, abuse or like, you know, um, you know, like it was like, um, intentional or something. intentional. That's yeah. the word I'm looking yeah. for. <laughs> Thank you. So, so when she said that I was kind of shocked and then I was like, yeah, I guess so. And then when she said PTSD and CPTSD, I was like me, no, I don't have that. But then when you, but as I'm writing the book, you can see how this led to this and this led to this and this led to this. And yeah, I grew up in trauma and had to, you know, in my 50s, had to recover from that to be able to live a normal life. But that's the beauty of the book, too, is, you know, it's kind of a hard read in the beginning, but near the end, you see that it's possible. Like, I, everything I do, I love so much. I can't even explain. I just wish that I could really like convey to people how much I love my life and everything that I do. And, you know, even five years ago, I've far surpassed anything I would have thought that I would have had in my life. And I don't mean had like things. I mean, within myself, I love myself. I love, you know, who I am and what I'm doing and I'm still growing so much and I just love it. So, um, you know, I just, I think that the book will really help people see that, it's possible. And, you know, I'm not somebody that, um, you know, I didn't have, you know, terrible, horrific things happen to me as a child. Um, and then go on to do amazing things for so many people. I'm more like a, more like your, uh, you know, your every woman, um, you know, a lot of people will be able to relate to 
some of the things that I've been through and then they get stuck there, you know, and even, you know, just to know that they can make it out of that and live their life and love their life. Um, that's, you know, that's what I'm hoping the book does. Well, and for me, it kind of gives that permission as well. That's one of the things that I always loved about, about the book, because, you know, we in, in the recovery community, we spend a lot of time with, with big, you know, trauma, a lot of yeah. childhood trauma. And I think that you're right. What your story represents, you know, to me is how, you know, trauma can live in, in the body and it not be this real big happening. And, and I think that, that it gives people permission to address their own, yeah, their own, you know, CTPSD and, and, and all those things. It gives them the, the the permission to address their own past and it gives them the permission to live a life they love. And you know that that's, yeah. you know, really big on my list and that's what I love because that's what you do. And that's honestly what's so inspiring to me just on a daily basis of, you know, communicating with you or, or in our communication. And I get to see all of the things that you do because Pamela is a, she's a masterful hypnotherapist you know like like her you know that that Pamela is within her uh, you know part of her soul's purpose when she is is in that space with you and it's very healing and I think that to me I love seeing people in their divine space and then yeah. she just continues to inspire me on a daily basis in that she just continues to keep showing up for herself and the next thing and, and, and all the stuff she's doing now to become an even more masterful healer for every person. Like there's no niche of people like, like Pamela has the ability to touch many people from many walks of life and with many different pasts. It's brilliant. Well, to me, it's, to me, it's like, you think about how, uh, you know, people that haven't gotten any help for substance use disorder, they they have a vision like an alcoholic is the homeless man mm -hmm. uh, with the paper bag around the bottle and he's sleeping next to a dumpster in the shade or something. Yeah. yeah. Or the heroin addict who's, you know, is only the person who looks like they haven't showered in two weeks, smells like shit and they're nodding out and they got a needle hanging out of their arm on the bus mm -hmm. or something. Right. Like uh, that being said, it's like, that's, those are like myths, you know, and it's not what it looks like uh, in most cases. And, you know, like a person who's experienced trauma, they, their trauma is still trauma, you know, right. and it, and it is still, hard to overcome and it's still very real. So I think that when people uh, put themselves in that box where they're like, well, I didn't go through anything that bad. So yeah. like something, so then they start to feel shame because they think like, what's different about me? Like something's wrong with me mm -hmm. because I'm not coping like with this stuff. Right. Yeah. Or something. Yeah. yeah. And it's, and and that so they don't want to go get help because they don't think they need help. They yep. just think there's something fundamentally wrong with them and right. that it can't be fixed, right? Yeah, yeah. Or else they think, well, I'm not screwed up enough, you know, to to reach out for help, but yet they're they're stuck in a life that's not fulfilling that they 
they yeah. know there's more inside of them that you know they just can't seem to access right. yeah that, that's i mean gosh so i mean i love that that aspect yeah. of it where it's yeah. like you know it's okay to not be okay but it's not okay to stay that way right mm. you should Dang. uh you should get help, you know, and you should. Yeah, I, I kept thinking, what the heck is wrong with me that I can't get past this? Because I mm. really, in the beginning, thought it was just about that last night with my ex-husband. I mm. didn't realize that there was so much more attached to it. And that's right. part of what hypnotherapy can do. And EMDR, you know, can really help show you the whole bigger picture, which I hadn't seen before therapy you know, I think I was age 50 and I'm 56. I'll be 57 this summer. And so it was not all that long ago, but it's amazing to me to, to know how much these different things have helped. Um, but yeah, I thought, how come I can't get past this? I didn't think of therapy at first, you know? And another thing I want to mention too is, um, you know, that there, that there is so many different things, you know, we talk about hypnotherapy can help anybody um, for, um, for, you know, just about anything. It's not a cure all. And it's not, um, it's not really, it's not actually going to be the best thing for everybody. It might work for, for some people, but it might be just the add on or just the thing that gets them over the hump when they're doing all these, you know, other things too in therapy. I've had people say to me, you know, well, I'm seeing a therapist and I'm, you know, I get Reiki treatments and I'm doing this and this. And just so you know, and I'm like, that's awesome because I know that you're serious about your recovery, you know, recovery, whatever it's about, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, so it's really a great thing for just an add on as well as it can be that thing that gets people to the root of what's really going on that they might not even really know at the time. They just know they don't want to live the way they're living now. <laughs> so, you know, they can get yeah. to the root of it through hypnotherapy a lot of times. And then that pushes them over that sort of that last sort of obstacle that they might be stuck at in their other therapies or their counseling or whatever else they're doing, you know, that might be just the thing that gets them over that hump so that real healing can begin then. Yeah. So bridge yeah. had a question there. Did you want to take a crack at answering that question there? Yeah. So complex trauma and chronic trauma. I think that complex is just, it builds on each other. You know, I had had, you know, I lived in poverty as a small kid. I was left alone a lot. And, um, and that, and I had, my sister was killed in a car accident, you know, when I was a young teen, um, I was a teen mother. I had went through, you know, several date rapes and sexual assaults and, um, just different things on top of one after the other on top of each other and having, uh, not having a father in the picture. Um, so that's, complex. It just keeps adding on. And then chronic is like, I live in trauma. Like both of my marriages <laughs> would have been, um, you know, chronic, you know, trauma. Um, you're just living in it. You know, yeah. you're not only stepping on eggshells, but you can't talk because of eggshells, <laughs> you know, like anything that you do, there's always trauma around you. I think that's that difference where complex is like, it adds on. Like this events. traumatic experience, this, yeah, this yeah. one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
Amazing. Yeah. Cause it's more like events. And I look at like the yes. whole, the whole active addiction time for me, mm. you know, I look at it as like chronic trauma where absolutely you just, just, you know, like live in there, you know, over and over. But I believe in all honesty and maybe not for everybody, but in my experience, it's almost like complex trauma leads into chronic trauma because you get almost used to living that way. Yeah. So in that life. Right. Yeah. I think you attract that then, you know, th those are the kinds of people that you attract to you without even meaning to, or they, you're like a magnet for them, you know, kind of if it, if it has to do with the people around you, but also um, a lot of people are, you know, like you said, that's what they're comfortable in to finally have a, a time where they don't feel trauma or a time that they feel like they are, um, you know, a time that they feel like they're, everything's kind of going well, people will cause drama in that, you know, mm -hmm. mm. to just to have some chaos around them because that's all they know. And that's what feels more like home. Absolutely. That whole subconscious, you know, life system that we just continuously think that we're somehow the victims of this cycle. But in reality, it's like this subconscious way of living that, yeah. you know, if, if if everything's going good we will like you just described we will subconsciously yeah. start something or or yeah. get into a situation just to feed I, that nervous system i remember with my second husband being um realizing after so many years you know you don't really want just a a nice simple you know easygoing life i i see now that this is not something that you're striving for that you know you've got to cause some other issue you know, just to, to, to be in your comfort zone, I guess, you know, and it just got mm. worse and worse and worse. Um, and, but he was, uh, you know, he had his own issues from childhood and not that that's an excuse, but that's, you know, it, that's where it came from, but he never got to a place of, you know, getting the kind of healing that he needed. And that's part of why as a nurse, I had went into, um, detox and recovery and that, cause I wanted to try to help in a way that, that I could with the skills that I had. Um, mm. but I, you know, I, like, as you know, it wasn't really, <laughs> it didn't really work out that way, but, um, but, uh, but he had went through so many different kinds of treatments and then he would get all the medications he could. And when he got home, you know, it would start all over again, but much worse. And then he'd go again and it'd be much worse when he got home. It was just this continuous cycle, but then worse and worse and worse each time. Mm -hmm. That's valuable for the families that, that do not act, that maybe have, you know, active addiction or something in their families and they don't understand why people can't just go to rehab, come back and everything be okay because they are living from that place of where, you know, well, if we take the, the drugs away or the alcohol away, then everything gets better. And I think that's important when you share your story as well, because it's important to give that that familial yeah, aspect yeah. because it helps them kind of understand as well that there's more to it than that. Um, Bridge has a great question. And mm -hmm. so when healed, chronic trauma turns into complex question mark. Chronic is unhealed current complex trauma. This is a debate in my grief and trauma group. 
I don't think necessarily because I think with Neat, complex yeah. it 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 um it's like piling books on to each other. Mm-hmm. But with the chronic, it's like the books are always all over the place. <laughs> mm, gosh, you know, ding! That is an amazing way to describe that. It's like they're all. I like they're how you just. Place. I like how you just did your own bell ding. I know. I, I know. <laughs> ding. I'm gonna I'm get my own figure, bell. I'm trying to figure out <laughs> how to. What Hook to them up, ask. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what to ask because I think that some of these terms are being used interchangeably mm-hmm. and they're Maybe, not yeah there's acute trauma and chronic trauma so those are the two differences and then there's like ptsd and then there's complex ptsd right. so ptsd <laughs> would be because of an acute trauma yes. complex would be because of a, tra- a chronic trauma so they're not necessarily It's ongoing. It's ongoing. it's ongoing. So if you've had ongoing trauma throughout your life, you know, that's going to be, and this is from my understanding. I know that, um, you know, Ashley, I know that you are right in the thick of all of this uh, with, with what you do right now. Um, so this is just, so I may be wrong in what they say um, right now, but in my understanding, the complex trauma is it has built the complex is it has built up from one thing after the other, after the other. And then the chronic is ongoing. So if you think of somebody with, you know, in the nursing world, somebody with an acute illness is something that came on suddenly. So a chronic illness is something that is always there. You know, somebody always has bronchitis because they're a smoker or because they always have, you know, um, you know, breathing issues and chest colds and sore throats and everything, they they have sort of chronic bronchitis. But somebody who was just got, you know, just had pneumonia or just, you know, something, you know, that's an acute thing. They just got sick. They just had this illness. That's an acute thing. Yes. Yeah, so you know, like a like a broken leg is an acute injury. <laughs> so the the two diagnoses though are PTSD and then complex PTSD. So chronic events. So if you had like, say you're in an abusive relationship and it was constant trauma, that would be, that would cause complex PTSD. Also multiple traumas, multiple acute traumas, like say you were in multiple car accidents and then, you know, there was, you know, it caused you to get addicted to pain medicine. And then eventually you're on the streets. Like that can cause, CPTSD too, which is complex. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Um, and then PTSD is from an acute, like a one situation. Yeah. So you were in a blast, or you know, or you were there was a shooting at your job. Like so, I just want to. I don't know. I'm just trying to be clear on what the diagnosis is actually. Yeah, are, so that's great. Don't get confused. Oh, yeah, yeah, keep going. You. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> Hi, Ashley. <laughs> keep going, Ashley. <laughs> We're waiting on Ashley to show up with the bomb. Well, I was trying to figure out how to ask the question and not like, you know, I was trying to follow the, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Because it's <laughs> complex issue. It is. Right. Bridge asked, actually asked if she can call in in the comments. <laughs> There's a caller, a finally a caller. Yeah, I don't know if, if, and if uh, um, 
and if she's gonna and she has a, a grief and trauma group so there's actually a new diagnosis in the dsm-5 tr that's mm. prolonged grief um Mm. That's actually in in the DSM for the first time as great. Well, it's about time. interesting. Yeah, it's about time because yeah. wow, that we're noticing that as that because you know for the longest time it was just PTSD and mm -hmm. everybody had just associated that with people that went to war mm -hmm. and so for the longest time people didn't really think that 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 they could have that or they could you know right. be going along with that and. I'm grateful to hear that, that, you know, with the grief, because gosh, you know, like, I, I've watched. Your body doesn't know the difference between Amen. war and any other trauma. So it's, um, it's how Amen. your body perceives, perceives it. So I, that's another thing that in recent years, they've, they've really changed is people didn't think certain situations were considered trauma, like divorce. The parents, mm -hmm. divorce. that's a trauma, yep. but it, it's not war. So people didn't think. Right. It the same thing. And it's a grief too, because it is a loss. It's a loss of the the hopes and dreams. It's a loss of a life that you know, you know, regardless of where you are after that, regardless of if it gets better for you, regardless if you're the one who wanted the divorce, it's still a there's still a grieving process because it's a total mm. death of one life to onto another life. So yeah, yeah I need divorce. Yep. Yeah. I've I've got this phone line set up if we want uh to call in. <laughs> also, I'd like to say if anybody wants to send me a message after the show, you know, whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, or you know, or whatever, um, I'll, you know, I'm happy to, you know, continue any conversation or or answer anything from from my own perspective. And and also remember, um, now that we recovery soul food is on recovery revolution live, Pamela Boom. also gives the amazing <laughs> gift of, you know, yeah. a, a free hypnotherapy session. So, you know, I always urge people because you don't yeah. know, I, I just have to repeat Jason and what Jason and Charlie always say with run the experiment. You know, you don't really yeah. know if it's going to help if you never try and, you know, can you help people quit smoking. Yeah. I have helped people quit smoking. Yeah, but it depends. I mean, the there's been a couple people who their partner wants them to quit and they've agreed to it, but they're yeah. not really necessarily on board. So I have stopped helping people that or trying to help people that don't want it for themselves. Right. So, I, you know, I've had several times that a partner or a family member or something would say, you know, my whatever, my, my husband, my, my, whatever, somebody that I know agreed to try it, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I used to set up a, an appointment and then they wouldn't be there or mm -hmm. you could tell that they weren't really trying, they weren't into it. Yeah. Um, they weren't open-minded or even. Right. Trying. And so, the, so now I started saying, if somebody comes to me like that, have them contact me, you know, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. also to explain that it's not really a one and done, like some of the things that right. we hear advertised, you know, 30 minutes can <laughs> yeah. change your life forever. You never smoke right. again. Dude, that was, yeah. I'm, I'm, that's why I asked. Cause I, yeah. you know, I, I, I've tried and I've tried and I've tried this last time I tried, I did really good. I was about six months smoke free mm -hmm. and, uh, 
yeah, I got a phone call that day at work yeah. uh, that said that they didn't think my mom was going to live through the weekend. And I had a complete freaking breakdown. Actually, <laughs> uh, I'm on one of the episodes of this show uh, for a couple minutes uh, breaking down because I felt like I knew. I was supposed to be on the show that night and I felt like I needed to like, let these guys know like that I couldn't, but why? And then I just like lost my shit and completely crumbled for a minute. And then I smoked a cigarette right after that. And, uh, yeah, I, I haven't turned back and I just full fledged smoke a thon again. So. Yeah, and, and you have to be careful with the wording too in hypnotherapy because there are people now I know most of the people I know there's a debate and everything about um, cannabis use and that but but um, there's a lot of people that will smoke marijuana and they don't want to quit that but they want to quit smoking cigarettes. So you have to be real careful with your wording um, and it's legal here. So, you know, I don't judge or, or try to tell them what, what they want, you know, so, um, you have to be real careful and, and you don't want to say, you know, anything about being smoke free or anything or not smoking when they don't want to completely give up smoking. They just want to stop tobacco, stop cigarette use, or, you know, even with, um, even with a vape or something, you know, if somebody doesn't want to stop that, but they want to quit having the cigarettes on top of that or in between that. So you have to be really precise with something like that. Now, a lot of times with hypnotherapy, you don't have to be as precise because it's almost like, you know, I use the analogy of taking an aspirin because I have a headache and I'm used to living with this knee ache, but now my, my knee, you know, feels better too. And I wasn't even trying to take the aspirin from my knee. So it's kind of like that too. So if you're more general, you're going to kind of go in and clean things up or kind of ask the subconscious to balance and for overall wellness and stuff. And then you see what you'll see yourself within you, what comes up or what starts to, um, you know, starts to resolve for you. But when it comes to something specific like smoking, then you need to be a little more precise with your wording. Gotcha. Uh, we we have Bridge on the line. Uh, she Hi. What's up? You still there, Bridge? Hello. <laughs> Hi, Pam. Hi. It's so awesome that you're on, and I got to get your book. And I loved what you said. Now I'm going to back it up because I need clarification. But I love what you said. Was it that the chronic is like the books are all over the place and complex trauma is like it's a stack book, stack of books? I always work in an analogy, so I always try to come up with a, with a good analogy. Yeah. That's awesome. So my question would be, I'm still confused because is it the chronic that's more ongoing? Because here's the thing. I would technically say I have complex trauma in the sense of I definitely had a whole lot of PTSD, you know, childhood, SUD, unhealthy marriage, divorce, all those things, right? But because of DBT and therapy and getting treatment and finding recovery, I find that I'm a totally different person. So I would put myself in that category of complex. However, with your point of maybe saying, and I'm, I'm not, not picking on you, like we're still, I, every Tuesday we're debating this, but the chronic <laughs> is like, 
ongoing. Well, I still, once in a while, will notice I get triggered, you know, like if there's confrontations or, absolutely, or, you know, anxiety. So, like, is it possible to have a dual diagnosis of chronic and complex? Like, I just want to put myself in a box I, sometimes when it comes to the, you know, diagnosis. <laughs> I think that Ashley might actually be able to answer that better, but I don't think it's considered a dual diagnosis with um, chronic and because I think any, you know, across the board, you know, like, you know, there's several types of schizophrenia. So if people have, you know, are considered having a few of those, it's not a dual diagnosis, you know, it's schizophrenia, but they've got this type and this type and this type. So I think it's the same kind of thing. And I may be wrong. Um, you know, if you have, I, I think anybody that has been through recovery, um, anybody who has, who has been addicted and, uh, substance abuse and been through recovery probably has, you know, CPTSD because, you know, just going through that process is very traumatic. Um, so that's what I would say. And that's not, I don't know that that's in any book or anything. That's just m my opinion. But I think that having chronic, I don't know that. So complex PTSD and chronic PTSD, I don't know. Um, I don't think that they're like two separate things, but one sort of le lends its hand to the other. Does that make sense? Would you say? Yes. Yeah, so, so just this, I think I'm going to put myself in the complex, but I would say chronic, you know, before I found recovery, yeah, I would say I was chronic because I wasn't making a point to fully try to heal and yeah. process through that stuff where I put myself in complex because yeah, some of that stuff will still crop up. But for the most part, again, I feel like I've completely changed my whole outlook on life and I'm able to, you know, not stick. I feel like, yeah, I like, I like what you said. Like, I think chronic is more, the books are still all over the place that you're trying to yeah. figure it out. Mine are at least on the shelf. They might not be in a good category, all the right categories are <laughs> color-coded. Right. Right. The right. Okay. I don't know. I think, I feel like with the, you know, like once you've been doing and digging in and doing all this work, uh, and you start to make some adjustments in your life when you're healing and doing that, right? Like you're, you're not participating in toxic relationships anymore. You're not, uh, with a guy that beats you up. You're not using you're, you know, you know, you're not broke anymore and stressed out all the time because you think you're going to lose your place, whatever. So I think that that healing, uh, eventually would result in maybe the chronic aspect of it to go away because your hmm. life is much simpler and let, and you're not constantly going through traumatic things all the time anymore. Yeah. Even if you're having triggers. Yeah. So then you would be complex. You know, you, you still have the trauma. You still, you You've know, had those experiences. Yeah. yeah. Those experiences are still there and you still mm -hmm. have uh, thought processes. Go ahead. That's a really great point, Jason. So how I can tell things are different is before, especially in relationships, you know, now my, my roommate, I'm always saying, oh, I'm too picky. And she goes, no, Bridge, now you actually have standards. 
That's a good thing. Absolutely. Dude, yes. That's how I would. Yeah. All right. No, it's good. Let's quit. <laughs> we need we need to take a step back because we're self-diagnosing things that we're not doctors. So let's be clear about what right. there are. All right. So in the DSM-5 TR, which is the newest edition, complex PTSD is not a separate classification from PTSD. There's acute stress disorder, which is um, and then there is also um so there's re- reactive attachment disorder, there's PTSD, and there's acute. So that's what's in the DSM-5-TR. Now there's complex trauma as a diagnosis in the I, the other one, um, what's it called? I something. Um, uh, the, the, the disease one that, uh, what is it called? The ICD, the International Classification of Diseases. Complex traumas in the 11th edition of that um, as a diagnosis. But there's, so if you look at the DSM 5 TR, like this is the the desk reference. Um, So the symptoms are pervasive stuff that lasts over 12 months. And if it doesn't, if it's less than a month, then it's an acute stress disorder. So you have to have there's all these symptoms and you have to have a certain amount of them and nobody should diagnose themselves with any condition, nor should you tell others what conditions are out there unless. So I'm just telling you, cause I'm reading from the book that we just yeah. need to be sure we're careful about diagnoses and what we say are what. Absolutely. Well, and I'm diagnosed with complex PTSD, but this new term of chronic, uh, you know, trauma came out after my diagnosis. So that's what I was trying to decipher, but I was just not a real diagnosis. Yeah. Like Pam, thank you. I like now I get it. Like, no, I'm because I'm not living it. I'm not making those same patterns and cycles. Like I've grown, I've healed away and uh, from those um, negative, you know, how I would process triggers and stuff like that before. So yeah. And your 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 triggers, you need to know that your triggers are actually your friend because that's where you know, oh, I still need some healing around this issue. And then you can take a step back from that trigger and think, you know, what do I need to do to get past this? So this next so next time something like this comes up, I'm not triggered. I don't have that immediate response, you know, that trigger. Um, so it's that's where you that's totally your friend that's totally your teacher is your trigger so whatever triggers you that's a chance to you know know where you need healing around and develop another coping skill yes Yes. so if you see yourself you might not be able to change it in that moment but the first step is recognizing that it's a trigger yeah yep well that being said i mean this is an ongoing process as well so we're always going to have things illuminate those things for us as we move forward and have more to work on and we're going to need to develop more coping mechanisms and stuff but i think it's funny because all bridge wanted was to put herself in a box and you're like no 
we cannot put you in a self-diagnosed box. <laughs> well, no, no matter what it is, nobody should be self-diagnosing anything right, anyway. Right. No matter, you know, even if it's cold and flu, don't self-diagnose yourself. I just yeah. found it comical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can use the DSM-5 and the, the other one to say that chronic PTSD is not identified as a disorder so there should be no debate on the difference yeah buy that desk <laughs> reference and squash your debate bridge or just look online you can find it online yeah i'm sure oh. i'm sure I that information it. is I online still you look cooler okay. with the book in your hand like i know right <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just gonna say and you look awfully cool. smart doing it <laughs> yeah ashley, ashley's the smart one here we're not yep. worthy i know <laughs> No, I love you, Ashley. No, I thought you were going to wear your shirt tonight, Ash. I wore mine so we could be twinning. I went to meeting after meeting today, and I just, I, I didn't even think about it. I wore it to bed the other night. It's comfortable. Yeah, dude. <laughs> nice. I mean, I, they were spendy, but that was because I picked, like, because I hate wearing shirts if they're not comfortable and if they're comfortable, I'll wear the shit out of that shirt. You know yeah, what I mean? And I don't, I don't like to, like, do, do cheap, cheap feeling like shirts on stuff right. like when we're like when we make merch i hate cheap feeling merchandise yeah. just won't do it yep. just won't do it mm. Mm. indeed lisa indeed outstanding well what are you doing now pam because you're you're not only just doing <laughs> hypnotherapy at this point like your world's opening up on a grand scale so well, what's happening with you now I am taking classes for a diploma in the um, in a integrative healing arts practitioner diploma program, but I'm also working on two more books, and um, yeah, I have T-shirts now. <laughs> speaking of merch, but it's not really merch; it's more of like self-care. It's called they're called Me Time Tees on Etsy. Um, just, you know, kind of advocating for your own self-care for your own me time. Um, so what else? So, yeah, so that's, I think that's, I think that's all I got going on. <laughs> what is, what is that? What is that healing that, that whole, you know, integrative healing? What does all of that contain? Like, like, oh my gosh, there's so many classes. So I don't have it in front of me. And sometimes when I do different podcasts and that I have it in front of me in case people ask, but, <laughs> but right now I'm working on, um, death and dying and hospice care. And there's also ceremonies and rituals. And so it, it goes, it runs the gamut from things like aromatherapy and then, um, transpersonal psychology and, you know, different things in between. So, um, you know, there's going to be, there's spiritual coaching, there's life coaching, there's, um, you know, mindful meditation. Um, so it's just a whole, uh, it's a year and a half. So I keep looking over here because I've got some of my books over here. So there's, yeah. I love aromatherapy for the soul. And I love that a, you're doing holistic and that you're learning yeah. that and, and that you're talking about it on the podcast, because I think yeah. that that's a, a there, everything is so medical. A lot right. of times yeah. people trust there's a lot of data that supports holistic yeah. healing. And Dude, seriously, almost not, I would almost venture to say nine times out of 10, there's a holistic way yeah. that will take care of the problem. Like, I think that the, like medicine, you know, is like a last resort. 
you know, yeah. like surgery it's a resort in our country. It's yeah, yeah I know. We'll give you a pill and we'll fix your problem. Right, right. surgery pills, yeah. any of that kind of stuff should be a last resort. Like yeah. You know. That's how I ended up getting into hypnotherapy because I was a nurse for 14 years and it was really seriously a soul sucking career. It was just, you know, just really terrible for me. And I was looking for something more holistic to help people in their, you know, within their healing journey and in a different way than nursing. So I took some classes, um, that kind of a kind of like a program what I'm doing now, but not as extensive to sort of an intro of a bunch of different holistic modalities. And that's where I found hypnotherapy. Mm. And that just I just loved that so much. And, and I was good at it from the beginning. So it just really, um, you know, that then I took, got more education in that. And I was in nursing for 10 more years. And then and then I took more uh, education. So I get all those up there. <laughs> so I took more education, finally got certified. And now I've been able to have my own business doing that. And then while I'm doing hypnotherapy with people, I'm feeling like I would like to do more and get deeper and, and help them in whatever way is going to help for them other than like, here's your session. Okay. Bye. You know, um, there's so much more that we could do for those who need it um, besides just more sessions. So now that's why I'm back in school. Awesome. I love that you're doing it. Yeah. I thank mean, you. I, like I respect, you know, I'm not very calm, but I should be calmer with some of this like holistic <laughs> stuff, but like, I mean, even like, so anxiety is one of the common ones, yeah. like what, 30, 30 days of mindfulness meditation is equivalent, has equal results, if not better than anxiety medicine, right? It's it's amazing. It's amazing. There's no side effects. It's like zero right. side effects. And you actually find yourself, if you're able to get yourself <laughs> to a regular meditation, um, uh, med you know, practice, then... Um, You'll find yourself not needing coffee, not needing extra sleep, um, yeah. because it really brings you down to that state of full relaxation without sleeping. So you're just on that edge. And that's that's how it feels with hypnotherapy, too, is like you're just right in that middle area. It's like almost like a dream state or just before dreaming or just coming out of a dream. It's that sweet yeah. spot. Yeah. It's the nod. It's 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 like that that nod area, you know. Yeah. And I think that that a lot of times that for me was what I was chasing was that almost right. there, and that's a dangerous chase right there, uh -huh. you know. Mm -hmm. And I think fine know, line, we, brother. It, very, very, <laughs> very. Well, and think about too. It's something you can control yourself. So, like, we'll use anxiety again as another example. Like you you stress about things, and you, because you the control, like you want to control the things mm -hmm. that you can control so that the things that you're afraid of, or you can't control, you feel like you can manage it more if you can control everything else. Well, so then if you have to take a pill to address it, can you take that at all times? You Sometimes you can't drive with it. Like, right. you know, you go to certain places, you're in the workplace, but you can always have mindfulness and meditation. You can, oh, if you teach yourself to do that, you can right. control yeah. when you're able to address your anxiety. So it's like, right. And that's the thing I tell people in the hypnotherapy sessions. If you got anything, even from the first session, if you got anything from that, 
you have it within you to do it without me. I'm just the facilitator. I'm just the guide. And if you got something from that, you can do that on your own. So, mm. you know, that helps people to feel like they have control over it. They don't have to, you know, oh, I need to call my hypnotherapist. I need a session. And, you know, I'm not trying to say that they don't need a session or that it wouldn't be helpful, but they can get themselves to that place as well. Right. Well, I, I can attest to that. When I was in therapy, my therapist taught me a couple of guided meditations, mm-hmm. uh, you know, visualization exercises uh, yeah. to help me release some trauma that, mm. uh, you know, or learn to sit with it actually was the, the goal. Uh, learn yeah. learn to be present in it and uh okay with that and it was uh super useful and i used it i used it and used it like he only we only did it together one time i could Mm -hmm. sit down and like guide you through it right now i I remember it word for word and uh bit by bit because it was like a very powerful moment for me right yeah yeah, so i i could totally attest to that yeah it's like if it if it does something for you, you're gonna remember it so yeah. good too. Cause yeah. you know, it's like an awesome it was a moment. I have people tell me even after because in my consultation I have a uh, a sample session if they'd like. And I have people sometimes tell me even after that sample session, I have never felt so calm in my life. And that's just from you know, and talking about anxiety, these are people that would be high anxiety and having trouble sleeping. And, and, um, you know, so they, they are never, they're always uh, anxious. And, and just having that, you know, 10 minutes of a sample relaxation session, you know, more like a guided meditation than hypnotherapy, really, they can just really feel if they allow themselves to let go and feel it, you know, they can really, um, gain a lot from just that yeah and i like what rupert Spira says about addiction how how addiction and this was true for myself so i can't speak for anybody else but how addiction is is actually about a busy mind that 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 it's one of those things where your mind just doesn't shut off and that a lot of times you know that's what people are looking for. And I know for myself, when that was one of the things, the only way to get my mind to shut down and shut off was to actually use. So the one thing that I was, was afraid of, well, the difference for me between sobriety and recovery was that recovery through, you know, many different healing modalities. And one of them, as you know, being hypnotherapy and meditation and those things, I was able to get to a place where I could, calm my mind and it made the struggle you know the fight easier you know easier than that Mm. yeah outstanding outstanding so what is so when do you finish this course and and when when will the the full uh, availability of Pamela the <laughs> Healer be ready. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> the, well, Pamela 2.0. That's right. <laughs> In January next year is my last oh, wow. class. Yeah. Wow. So I started it in in April of wow. 2020, and it's um, the last class is January of 24. That's a long cl- 
that's a long time. Yeah, that that's why it's it's a it's a course, and that's why when he said what's what's involved, I'm like, oh, I don't have the paper in front of me. Yeah, a <laughs> lot, a lot. But here's what um, I love about Pamela, because Pamela can go through this, and it's not like quick, you know. And but but I don't see Pamela get frustrated and and be trying to <laughs> rush it. Like she yeah. she often sends me the stuff that she's working on because it's really cool, y'all. Like extremely cool. Like she did a mm -hmm. an, an automatic writing, and, and we mm. got to be her, her test you know, her test guineas, me and my wife. And man, I mean, mine was amazing. But when I, my wife's was like, holy shit. Like I couldn't even believe it, but that was so an she, intuitive guidance uh, class within the course. Yeah. I love it. And, and ne you never forget Pamela's never in like a rush. Like I'd be in a rush. Like, are we done yet? Are we done? Are we done? Are we done? Pamela's never in a rush. She just moving through life. And She's I, like settle in. She is. She's just, she's <laughs> calming, like water. Just a calming go. presence. Like that. Exactly. Just, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. See why I need, I, a, I need a friend like Pamela. Cool your jets, <laughs> bud. Cool your jets. And I do, I do pet sitting too. I, for, I forget to mention this, but I do pet sitting on the side. And a lot of people will say, you know, that even their pets, you know, like, <laughs> like they've never seen their pets so calm. Oh yeah, gosh, so, please yeah. come to my house. Then, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I love house. it so much. So that's what I mean. Everything I do, I just love it so much. You know. Yeah. Isn't that our goal in life, man? Like yeah. that, That's that's got to be our 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 true goal is to get to a place in life where we just love everything we do. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. mm. Think about you said that when you were a nurse, it was soul sucking and draining so now you're you're talking about loving it and being filled up and yeah that's that's the dream right Amen. yeah and that's that's part of why i left because i knew i couldn't continue to do that it was not good for my soul and um and so that's that's another of the books i'm working on is my 14 year nurse career and you know just all about that and how you know the things I went through and different stories in nursing and the truth of nursing and then you know how and why I got out of it so that's you know that's one of the other books I'm working on amazing gosh I just had sure. something I wanted to ask you and it just <laughs> left my mind completely dang, dang so that's it. an industry where there's a lot of misuse of substances and they can't seek treatment because they have to worry about their licenses. Mm. And a lot yeah. Yeah. And I, and I just got finished, you know, in, in that book, the first investigation, because I saw it in a lot of different places and then you end up having, you know, an investigation happen within the facility. Um, and actually there's been some nurses that are able to, continue working in their nursing, but they have a limited license. So if they've ever been, um, and I don't know exactly the laws, and I'm sure it's different in different states, but they would be able to do like desk work and stuff like that and not have any access to the med carts. So it's like a limited license kind of. Right. Um, this is what I wanted to ask. So, you know, I know <laughs> that there's probably a lot of people. Um, oh, thank you, Lisa. Um, I, I, I bet there's a lot of people that kind of feel stuck in, 
in either a career or, or maybe in a place that, you know, they, they have something else they want to do. Can you tell a little bit about how that story came about? Because it always gave me hope, you know, how things showed up for you that were kind of guidance and things. So like how you went from nursing to hypnotherapy, just some of the details. So, so I think what you're talking about is, so it just kept getting worse and worse and worse as far as, you know, I tried several different jobs and it kept getting worse and worse. And it's just like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And so this was 10 years earlier. I had went through the first hypnotherapy course, was not able to, to switch off of nursing onto that because of my um, alcoholic husband, you know, <laughs> um, you need some, you know, I, I needed to work full time um, in nursing, which was of course, uh, you know, paying the bills. Um, so, so then fast forward to 2020 and it was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it was bringing me way down again. And I did a guided meditation for, you know, kind of what your purpose is. Cause I was feeling myself, like I had already kind of been through this healing process and I was kind of like, um, you know, I can't live like this, you know, and, and just like my, the title of my book, I didn't come this far to only come this far. You know, I wanted to really live my life and not be sucked back down into some feeling terrible. And so in that guided meditation, I saw myself doing hypnotherapy and I was like, Oh yeah. And I was so excited that that, that dream was in there somewhere still. And um, so then things kept happening that kind of showed me, you know, that that's the direction I was supposed to go, even to the point of, you know, a few different nursing jobs that I had taken didn't really work out for one reason or another. And it was like the universe was like pushing me out of it, you know, and so I have this lotus tattoo on my chest. And when I, um, in that dream that I saw myself doing hypnotherapy, I had a lotus tattoo on my chest. I was like, hmm, I made note of it, but I had no plan to get another tattoo or anything. And so then not too long after that, I had put an item up for sale and it was a, it was for sale or trade uh, group or something. So I said for sale or trade. And I had a tattoo artist that said, would you take a tattoo for this item? And I thought, well, there's my Lotus. <laughs> so just all these signs, you know, and then I had a deja vu experience when I went to the school um, uh, for hypnotherapy just to get some information. I had this big deja vu experience through that. So it was just amazing. I don't know if that's what you're, you're that's talking exactly about, Luna, or not. Yeah. yeah so yeah. amazing. <laughs> yeah. I feel like stuff like that is like, uh, it's just affirming the path, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. You know, absolutely. Like, like for me, I, I always say like, you know, when I can tell that uh, what I'm doing is like, anointed by God, you know, like it's, it's like, I didn't, like, I didn't ask to do the things that I do. I get asked. To right. Do. You're pushed that way. Yeah. And, and you know, at, even it, you know, like in the beginning, every fiber of my being said, you know, you are not qualified for that. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. nobody wants to hear anything you have to say, but, yeah. and, uh, you know, as time went on, I just, I kept remembering that if it could possibly help you or and somebody else, then you have to say yes. Like my sponsor right. drilled that in my head early on, you know, like you are responsible to give 
back and not steal yeah. from, you know, the recovery community. So I'm like, okay. So I would, <laughs> I just learned to say yes to stuff, you yeah. know, like show up. Mm. Never know. Yeah, if, if it's coming to you in whatever way it's coming to you, there's a reason for that. Even yeah. if it's just to contemplate that brings you somewhere else, but there's a reason that it has come to you, whether it's been an idea or an opportunity or, or something you read or, or see somewhere, if it's in front of you, there's a reason for that. Right. Yeah. And then all the crazy things like that, weird coincidences, uh, you know, like signs, if you will, yeah. just like, <laughs> man, whenever that stuff happens, I'm like, I just look up and I'm like, I'm listening, man. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. You, like, yeah. I'm, so, I'm really grateful that to be living, you know, a life where it's like that, where yeah, yeah, I can have those affirming moments and those signs and those, you know, revelations where I'm just like, you know, just amazing. It, yeah, and you think back, right, and you're just like, how did I get so blessed, man? Yeah, yes, I don't deserve it. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. It's pretty amazing to look over your life and and to be able to know where we've where we've come from and and where we are and 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 I love the title of the book. You know, I can you can say this almost to yourself almost every day, you know, as I didn't come this far to only come this far, you know. So what's next? I'm open to guidance, you know, even if you don't have to, you know, if you don't see it or you have an idea and and I don't know who ever, you know, which person ever brought this up but i've heard it so many times especially in the spiritual community that if there's something that you want you know it's it's already with within you to to have if you want right. it it's it's possible you know there's like that whole example of i see people diving off cliffs and there's nothing in me that wants to dive off a cliff <laughs> and yet you know to <laughs> to stand in front of somebody and talk about recovery journey or healing i'm all in for that so it's like whatever that is in in your soul in your heart that that you know deep in that you want to do like it's for you and it's possible because yeah. it's not it wouldn't be given to you if not right well it makes me think of saying everything you want is just on the other side of fear uh, yeah. yep yeah true 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 yep Ding. <laughs> there's been some good dings here tonight dude i got a lot of those one-liners man I just, <laughs> I veritable know. treasure trove <laughs> yeah, put them in a book <laughs> yeah, we write a whole book on the one they're not so. mine though i'm just regurgitating oh. stuff <laughs> you know to the best of my ability <laughs> little old me <laughs> you're awesome jason I love thanks you. man <laughs> Pamela, you're awesome. I know. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I really appreciate you coming on here and sharing sharing a bit of your story and your experience with us. I love that we were able to, uh, you know, hear about all this great work you do because it sounds very appealing. I think I might be visiting your website soon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There, and there's a lot on the website because I do kind of have a niche of like middle-aged women. So don't let that uh, fool oh. you. Don't let that scare you. Maybe I, maybe I am like middle-aged woman. <laughs> I, I had 
I, I had somebody this. the other day that contacted me uh, <laughs> through just through phone and and I and they didn't have the website link and I said, you know, and it was a it was a younger a younger person. I said, don't let the middle aged woman <laughs> writing scare you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but there is a lot on there that shows what if you read the whole first page, then you'll see it's not just that. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I want to just say I love it when someone that's been through stuff that could have destroyed them turns it and uses it towards like mm. beauty and to make a difference. And I think that that's really a beautiful thing that, you know, instead yeah. of letting the world beat you down, you decided you wanted to help and change it. That's yeah. amazing. It's, it's so hard to when you're on that edge, you know, and I know all of you guys know that edge. <laughs> You're like, yeah. I'm going to either step off this way or you have to figure out how to take a step back. And that's what it's all about. Mm. Again, another analogy. but Hell yeah. <laughs> and of course, in steps Ashley with, with that beautifulness that's come right out because that is so inspiring. That's what's inspiring about this whole life, you know, is getting able, being able to sit in the presence of people that have, you know, that have just transmuted pain into purpose and passion. And, and I just think it inspires me every single day, you know, like every person in this whole feed right now inspires me probably more than, than most of you know that you do because I'm always looking for inspiration in my, in my day. And so, you know, all of you inspire me, all of you. And all of you inspire me as well, for sure. So, yeah, I'm really honored to be here. Go ahead. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. I was saying the foundation for recovery is hope. Amen. So you're giving people hope, you know, that they can recover from anything. Yeah. It doesn't have to be necessarily substance use disorder or whatever. And, you know, when the Dimensions community purpose Right, home. That's the fourth one. We got another question from Bridge. <laughs> uh -oh. What are your thoughts on treating PTSD with psychedelics in PR? Is she asking me? <laughs> I guess probably everybody, I suppose, or Ashley. She wants consensus. <laughs> I think I think that it's um, it's every every different treatment, every different type of treatment is going to be individual. There's no there's no good or bad, right or wrong. It's it's up to the individual and their healthcare providers and or their mental health care providers. It takes a, it's not just your own. Um, you're not the only one, you know that you know. If you want to try something, it's good to talk to others, but know that just because something worked for your friend or something worked for a bunch of people in a group doesn't mean it's going to work for you. Or if something doesn't work for them, doesn't mean it's not going to work for you. And this has, I'm talking about everything, you know, EMDR, hypnotherapy, Reiki, um, coaching, you know, any kind of treatment at all or any even medications. Um, there's no right or wrong or something that's going to be right for everybody. It's really individual. Mm. 
I just uh, echo that. Yeah, I think that, um, you know, it, it it is individualistic. Some people don't respond well to psychedelics. Some people have bad trips right away. Mm-hmm. You know, they just can't, they're not mentally equipped or for whatever reason, it just doesn't respond well with them. Yeah. Other people have a much better experience uh, with it. And I think obviously uh, in that type of treatment, you know, way like that would be done with uh you know somebody who's licensed to guide through that experience exactly to try to achieve a certain outcome um and i've heard of stories of that working you know with like ibogaine and uh microdosing and things like that so i think you know if if it's something that uh, somebody wants to try, more power to you, man. I'm I'm all for. Uh, I'm a big proponent for like if you're trying to get better, you know, like go yes. ahead and do that. You know, seek yeah. it. And what's the worst that can happen? You know, you have a fucked up trip, and then you move on to the next idea or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I, maybe it works. You know. I have- a question what does she mean when she says npr yeah i'm with you on the npr yeah i mean npr.org is a lot of information about using psychedelics for different things but i don't what's the npr bridge (laughs) national national public radio yeah that's what i was was thinking about I, I I'm not even able to answer the question until you know I want to make sure I understand what the question is because that's well, just I'm not sure about. So I just think what what Jason was saying was really important that there are people that are licensed for different kinds of treatments and it's really important that you do it in that way instead of you know obtaining things on your own and deciding to try it you know. Yeah, like just because you read about it in a magazine doesn't mean that you need to go get a bag of shrooms and eat a right, eat the right. mushrooms and right. sit there. Right. And That's wh- why I was like, NPR is that like on your own? Is that some like acronym I didn't know? Like, or if you're okay, asking I'm, a doctor, I don't know that. I don't know it either. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I was know. saying, I completely agree with Jason as far as doctors' offices and doctors giving it if that's what they feel you need or looking Mm -hmm. into it. So I completely agree. I mean, the studies have shown great results in people that, but they've tried everything else before they try that. It's not the first thing that's tried um, as well. So another thing. (laughs) I guess I agree with you, Jason, but I don't think people should be doing it at home. No, No, my, my head immediately went to like a clinical setting Yeah, because she said treating PTSD with psychedelics. So I did, I also thought what's the NPR, but I was like, whatever. I I just figured through the context of the sentence, like where my head went was like to a clinical setting. So that was where I was thinking of. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I don't it'd know be wonderful if she would tell us what the heck. Yeah, tell us, Bridge, because Google, Google I'm says that I like to radio. know the question so I can, you know, like I'm yeah. like, oh, well, I, I don't want to say yes, I support it if it works for somebody. And then I was talking about, you know, tipping, tipping cows over. Well, that, that's why I was saying, too, that, you know, any kind of treatment, you know, is not going to be right or wrong. It's definitely individual. Whatever NPR stands for, it's still going to be you know, an individual thing, you know, but if, if she's talking about on their own, you know, um, yeah. yeah. 
then I don't support that. Like not <laughs> practicing, right? Like I was trying to think of like <laughs> the different right. not letter says for. <laughs> yeah. Damn it, Bridge. But I mean, everything oh, you're saying Kim, was correct. So I, I guess it doesn't <laughs> matter what it means. Right on. Yeah, because we kind of covered every base at this point. Oh. Yeah, and, and maybe, maybe <laughs> I don't know, maybe don't take the, you know, the cheapest guide out there or the cheapest place to go. Because <laughs> right. I don't think everybody's out there with the same, you know, like integrity when it comes to healing on any level. <laughs> on but I, any but level. I got a group home. Yeah. I know, I was just going to say, don't go to Groupon, but I didn't want to say it. Right. Bro, back, back in the day when I sold acid, I was a self-renowned guide i like i could i could like save people from a bad trip or i could take people who had never had a you know good trip and i could guide them through like an amazing experience i used to think that i was was super good at it i used to think that was a legit talent i had like the only one i could find is i could talk myself out of a bad trip right (laughs) same here but then i yeah I've had a few bad ones though down the down towards the end of that road with the psychedelics, but that's neither here nor there. I never, I never did psychedelics. I can't even give an opinion. Right on. So well, I, maybe, I have to. Maybe you could go get your PTSD treated in a clinical right. setting. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, I see. Probably. I got a friend who quit heroin with ibogaine. Uh, mm-hmm. And she's got a pretty crazy story. Yeah. She had to go down to like Mexico or something to do it. They've used psychedelics since back in the day with, I mean, that's AA, like they don't talk about that, but psychedelics were being used at the beginning. Right. That's how he wrote the the, the steps, the 12 steps. Mm -hmm. Yep. It was only when it got out into the, to the street use that it became illegal. Well, and yes, that's kind of legal in the beginning, yeah. The other thing is too is everything's tainted nowadays. There's poison right, you supply, so well, it's like amen. You, yeah, that's yeah. the that's the whole thing with like even MAT. There's such a huge debate about that, but I think that you know even if even if you think you're trading one addiction for the other, at least you know it, where it's coming from, and you don't have to mm-hmm. um, associate with people on the street or you know, or people who, who doesn't know what's really in what they're giving you, right. you know, yeah, at least at the very least point. there's that. Yeah. I think that's a great point too. That's what I've always said. You know, if someone's going to, you know, if someone's going to go into recovery, whichever way they're going, they got to be alive to get there, you know? And, yeah. and so wherever you are in that journey, okay. But you got to be alive to get there. And I think there's so much pressure like that you're trading one for another. And it's like when you, even if you say you're you're in a 12 step program, your life has become unmanageable, right? That's so if you're taking Matt and you're a productive citizen and your life is not unmanageable, then then you don't have to go through the next step because you don't, you know? Right, right, right. Exactly. Exactly. Absolutely, Ashley. I love you. We're going to do a mat series together. I'm telling you. I'm telling you it's coming. It's coming. <laughs> Ashley holds the good the good info. The good info. Love oh, yeah. 
Now we need to do a study that's longer than like two to five years. <laughs> Come on, actually, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> well, and I think like, so the study for like two years, it's like got great results. It's, I mean, Matt has the highest adherence rate of any of the programs for two years. And then at two years, it drops off and it's about even with AA and A, like about like 38%. But if you think about it, you, you put mats so that people can be stabilized so that they can learn those coping skills. But if we don't ever go to that next step when they're stabilized right, and right. teach them coping skills, right. then at two years, they're right back. Like, Absolutely. So they become stagnant. Yeah. Yeah. It becomes that dependence on the program. I went through that for many years. Like my life had, I, I, my life was manageable, but it still was dependent on the program, the difference in what happened when I stepped into recovery, you know, almost 10 years ago, it was that I knew that I needed the mat to stabilize my body, but I knew I had to do something different here and here and that that was going to be the difference. And then that the relationship with the, the medication and the setting had to change because it's unfortunate that, that the setting comes along with, very minimal requirements for the, the for the facilities to be able to get their license to be able to give this and mm. so a lot of the counseling in sessions in there are kind of done just for a you know adherence to the program rule situation but mm. what i'm starting to find the more i'm involved in in that area is that we're getting a new set of, of counselors and physicians assistants that are less about the, the business and more mm-hmm. about that whole healing. And they're, they're embedding themselves in these programs that, you know, I, that has a potential to really help people. And I think if we continue to speak out and the recovery community stops the shaming bullshit, which yeah. is our biggest problem, you right. know, in all of our lives is shame. So we got to, get ourselves and stop from shaming other people because it's not our way you know then then we can learn more about this and we can actually save more lives and people can feel whole and healthy you know and And that's the goal i honestly think that if we did a long-term study with matt and then utilized coping skills and finding your people and finding their pathway or whatever i think we would see tremendous positive results that yes would shock people because you get them to that that two years and it doesn't matter if they stay on not the rest of their life if they're right. coping and doing things and finding their people that's why you know aa is the one that shows the best <laughs> results at like the 10 and 20 year mark because you make it in aa and you're still going 10 years later you found your people those are the people that you belong with and that you feel like you fit in because you wouldn't be still going 10 years down the road if right. you didn't like them so they found their people so it's yeah. we're we're not letting people that recover differently find their people and yes we really need to do that well yeah. this this, this just raises up that whole uh <laughs> continuum of care you know debate where it's like you got these places you go you get the 30-day spin dry maybe you do a little mm-hmm. bit outpatient or, or some aftercare and then you're on your own yeah. whereas like you know we should treat addiction the same way you treat cancer That's after right. you you have to continue to come back and continue to get checked up and you have to continue 
all these different things. And then there's support groups and events and community activities yeah. and, and fundraising and all these different things that are going on, you know, and like people stay connected to that community for years after they, even if they beat the cancer, you know, typically because they yeah. need to keep making sure that it didn't resurface. And this is the way that addiction should be treated as well, you know, uh, where it's that long term, you know, and it's not just, okay, great. You're not having cravings anymore. It's, you know, teaching you life skills and how to become a productive member of society and how to be a responsible adult. What's that? That's weird. Yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, just all that kind of shit it needs to be part of it because there's so much more than just just think about this like visualize what what i'm about to say somebody who's beat breast cancer they run a 5k or they run they do a half marathon or and you know after they run across the mile they're cheering i made it through i i you know i recovered i survived from breast cancer and they're proud to run this thing and cross the line because they made it. When's the last time you ever saw any, you saw somebody in recovery running something and being proud. I'm in recovery. I was able to do this. Like, yeah, there's, we're not celebrating in the way that right. we celebrate recovering from other diseases. So that how maybe, maybe we have different communities. Cause I feel like I see that a lot, but that's where I'm from. It's awesome that you that you get to see that a lot because you know I, I I don't really see it much where we are. I've been I've been begging, you know we at one time Wilmington, North Carolina was was given the number one place for for opiate and heroin addiction. I think this was back in 2017, and still I can't get a community. I can't get a recovery center here. I've got them in, in Raleigh and Charlotte and I can't get it here. And I what part events. of the, no, go yeah. ahead. As I no, said, I see can. events for people that have passed away and right. raise right. money, but I right. don't see anything celebrating recovery right. at like right. that level where there's right. pictures in the newspaper of them going through the line. And right. I mean, maybe it happens there. Yeah, but, it does. It happens, I guess, in the only select spots in the country, but it's not, I don't know. I think it just depends on like how, how many recovery community organizations are in a particular state and like those, those things usually typically will band together, you know, or how many treatment centers are in a state. Cause like this is Minnesota, it's a land of 10,000 treatment centers. And we have, uh, when, when I started my recovery, I think there was three recovery community organizations in the state. And I think it currently we have 17, I think. So they're yeah. popping up all over the place. And, it, you know, everybody's, I, I mean, I, I would like to say everybody's, you know, working together and supporting each other. And I think for the most part, that's true. But then, you know, when you're talking about getting grants and funding and, you know, I, I think too, um, from what I've heard, there's a lot of like, kind of people are competing for this funding which yes. there should be more there should be more than enough for everyone in my opinion but right i mean it's still there's tons of stuff like that here you know yeah. but that's just that's really awesome. 
yeah i wish you guys had that too well we're still in the south and it's unfortunate that you know that makes a difference but it is we're still in the land of keep your secret secret you know keep your mm. keep your shame inside and and you know I, I think all we can do is just continue to be a voice and and continue to do the work that we do especially what ashley does and 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 i sit on a community that's trying to disperse this this money that's been given through the Purdue Pharma lawsuit. And it's almost like I'm watching a bunch of kindergartners fight over <laughs> a piece of cheese on the playground. I mean, it's just like ridiculous. Right. And it's the bigger organizations that are reaching in to get the majority of the money. And, and nobody's listening when I'm saying we're failing to see the small organizations, the podcasters, the online people that are doing things day-to-day -day in the community touching the people and we're failing to see how important that is because we want to say oh we gave it to this organization that's on you know drug court and we gave it to this organization because most of them and this is just the honesty about it are set up to look like they're doing great things but if you get on the inside you, you start to discover that it's not so much that way and that's what gets disheartening so for you know it, it it's i i think about ashley a lot when i am going through these things because i know that ashley you spend the your most of your time in in that type of setting and and i think of just how i think of how hard it is on my heart sometimes to to see that it makes me grateful that you're living in your purpose and that you're continuing to be out there and to be a voice for your state and, and the people. Cause you're also like, I introduced Pamela, a, a lover. You like of need humanity. to be able to put Ashley in your pocket. And I need I, I, desperately, desperately. I'd love to just, y'all think y'all got something. Hold on. Just wait a second. <laughs> <laughs> right. Hold on. Or just really have like happen. a speaker in your ear and be like, I know I'm going to have to say I'm going to have to set something up with her. I got that next community meeting on the 14th of February. And it's like, just yeah, Ashley, give, give me the numbers, Ashley. Right, right. Just <laughs> so I can spew them out. Yeah. Let me say something that makes sense to them, Ashley. Help me. The interesting yeah. part of what Jason said is I think we're now at 30 recovery community organizations in the state of Florida. We're also the state that has the most treatment providers of anyone. I'm telling you, we're not seeing it there. So it's, it's, wow. it's the, the advocacy and the advocates that you have, it's, it's not in the work that they're doing. And that's amazing. And pat yourself on the back, Jason, because you're one of them. Mm -hmm. But it's not the situation that we all live in. Right. And that's even, I wish it was even half of the states had that. that yeah, um, me too. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Okay. She's trained professionals she didn't hear what mp we want to know what npr is bridge i Tell finally us. found it but it never really says what the letters stand for it's npr.org yeah no that's yeah. national public radio dude <laughs> right I went further. Yeah. I went further. <laughs> Down the rabbit hole. I keep scrolling. I, I went further and it still never, it just talks about basically the microdosing and, you know, mm -hmm. of psychedelics and different types, but it never says what the letters What the acronym are. is. Yeah. Yeah. It's frustrating. Well, maybe she heard me or heard us this time. <laughs> she must have left. Yeah. 
She got a phone call or something before. It came back. I I have her number. We can call her back. (laughs) (laughs) Phone line to bridge is over. Tell us. <laughs> she would be the first ever person to get called by right. 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 That's right. It's not a call in. We're calling you. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Outstanding. Oh. Man, I, I feel like I could do this all night, you guys. I know. You found it too, Ashley, but it doesn't no, it's it's on the back end of stuff, but it's all national public radio stuff. I know. It's not like I've never heard. Yeah, you got to start getting into some kind of scary places on Google to start trying to find it. (laughs) Oh, okay. Oh, okay. But Mm. you still didn't tell us what NPR means. Okay, because so she's saying that they're it's new wave of interest and they're claiming to offer this option for PTSD treatment and it's dangerous because they're not qualified. Right. So then we're saying we, we are open to it by trained professionals. Professionals. I'm going to put her. Or maybe she's talking about uh, something that she heard on NPR about that with Dr. Gabor mate. But her new thing is, is dangerous because they're not qualified. Yeah, yeah, she's just saying that the using psychedelics for uh, yeah, like that type of treatment is a newer thing, is what she's saying. But, it, but there are licensed professionals doing it. For yeah, sure. yeah, 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 for sure. Especially in the military, like veteran, they're using all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Um, my wife would all. My wife always said that she would be open to it. You know, like she. She has a diagnosis of bipolar disorder, but, you know, I think that it was maybe too soon for her. It, it was one of those things here when you go in a treatment center in the assessment, you're given the one of two diagnoses, which is borderline personality disorder or bipolar disorder. And, you know, but I know that my wife deals with a lot of great depression at times. And, um, you know, I know that she she's always said that she would be open to it as you know, for someone who's, you know, trained. So if it was in our area, I would do a, a ton of research. And if I found somebody yeah. greatly qualified, I would definitely advocate for my wife to have that treatment. Yeah. You know, one thing about diagnosis is that I know, and this is more so from the Alzheimer's unit that I worked in more so than any other form of nursing is in the Alzheimer's unit. So a doctor would give a diagnosis to a patient so that the doctor can then prescribe prescribe a certain medication that they have found works. It doesn't necessarily mean that that person has that. We had had people try every kind of medication for Alzheimer's that didn't necessarily help them at all, but some of these other um, schizophrenic-type medications would work, and the doctor wanted to try it, so they had to put down that diagnosis so that the insurance company would pay for the medicine, and then we'd have family members come up and say, I didn't know that my mother had schizophrenia. It's like, no, that's for the medication so that the insurance will accept it. And so I think that happens everywhere now because of the insurance, the way it is, you know, rather than the doctors (laughs) being able to prescribe, you know, off label medications, they have to say that somebody has something that has to be in their record when it might not necessarily be true. That is weird. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah, very odd. It is a lot of stuff that has to do with that too. I mean, um, so there's there's a lot of things about medication that just aren't understood, and yeah, I mean, like, so if you have certain things like your bipolar SSRIs can make you manic. So that type of medication doesn't work for you, but it might work for somebody that has a certain type of depression, but also SSRIs, if you have autism, can cause you to get aggressive. So like people having the wrong diagnosis is a big issue. They're also using lithium for people with autism, which even though that's used for bipolar disorder, it's been showing to have really good. So we don't know what the heck's I mean, yeah. everybody has different. <laughs> you react to medicine is completely different, and yeah, one, one of the reasons I left. One of the reasons I left, you know, um, medical healthcare. Um, that's one of the many reasons is because of you know, there's really even the doctors don't have control anymore. You know, it's it's all about money, and you don't know the diagnosis if it's real or not, and um, there's just so much. You know, I always say corruption, um, you know, but there's just so much going on that's just wrong. Well, that <laughs> it's was just the wrong un- and makes no sense. Yeah. And that was the unfortunate part about my wife having that yeah. diagnosis. Is it just kind of, you know, it was a it was a stock thing that was put down. Yeah. And then it just kind of followed her and and her being new in treatment when someone said oh this is what's wrong with you it was like oh now finally i have something to hold on to other than i'm just i'm just completely messed up an individual but then from there we had unqualified people prescribing medications that were very interactive with each other and i'm grateful Mm -hmm. that my wife's still alive you know, yeah. I'm just grateful that she's still alive because those medicines can be very, very dangerous. Like you were talking about, you know, the interactions of things. If you don't have somebody who has knowledge about how these things interact, it, they could be deadly, just deadly. And so, then people with that knowledge, honestly, you think that mm. psychiatrists all know it, but they don't. They got. Yeah, that's the, true. Guess who writes their books in school? Yeah. The drug companies. Mm-hmm. That's exactly true. That's exactly true. It's how the American Medical Association was created. You know, that's it was. You can you can get a medication evaluation. You can request that and they have to go through all of your medications and see, you know, if everything that you're taking, if there's going to be an interaction with something else that another doctor or another healthcare professional gave you that's interacting with what this doctor gave you for your heart or something else, you know, is it going to interact with that? Or do we need to switch the doses around or change the medication? Or is there, you know, one pill that's going to take place of these three that you're taking that, you know, um, that were prescribed to you many, many years ago and you just continued to, to, to get them. And now we've got something that works better with less amount or with less, um, you know, symptoms, um, you know, so, so you can get a medication evaluation and a lot of people don't even realize that they just take what their doctor gives them or whatever healthcare or mental healthcare professional gives them and without question. And you need to always be questioning, what is this for? And is this okay with, these are my other medications, you know, not just everybody assumes that they have in front of them that the doctors or any of these 
professionals have all their information in front of them. And maybe they do, but they're not looking through it all a lot of the times because they don't have time. You mm. know, they just see you they don't have an allergy to it. They assume it's going to be safe, you yeah. know, because they're getting prescribed it. But yeah. they're not realizing. Like, I, I've, I learned this lesson uh, through my mom's illness. And, you know, because she had palliative care doctors. She had oncology. Mm -hmm. She had, you know physical therapy she had all these different doctors and they were like almost never on the same page right you know, yeah they're not they're looking at their you know narrow scope like they're focused yeah. on their th their part and they're not yeah yeah like really aware of the whole thing so i think that's an awesome piece of advice because people yeah. should you know that you have to be your own best advocate in life so. Yeah. And even yeah. the pharmacists will know sometimes better than the doctors. If you go up to a pharmacist and you say, you know, I, you know, you, you might have to make an appointment, but you can go to the pharmacist and say, these are the, um, the side effects that I'm having is any of these medications that I'm taking causing this, or are these, you know, any combination of these medications causing this, you know, you can utilize your pharmacy for that kind of information as well. Absolutely. But my, my, my little pointer, and I'm not a doctor, so this is just my opinion, is don't read the side effects up front. You can see if there's reactions <laughs> yeah. between, but if, if you read your, all the side effects on what they give you of the medication, you're going to have every single side effect yeah. there. But right. if you start seeing some weird things or you start feeling a certain way, or, I mean, I'm not saying don't look up different medications to make sure there's not a reaction. You can, there's, you can, there's all kinds of programs that you can look on and see that stuff, but just don't look at every side effect uh, you possibly get. And then I, I, yeah, <laughs> I did that with Wellbutrin, you know, when I wanted to take it for quit yeah. smoking, I said, I'm not part, going part to of look the, at the side effects here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have them all. <laughs> <laughs> I knew I would. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Well, and part of that too is that they are just sa they are just saving themselves as well. They have to put down a lot of things that you know, just even possibilities, just so that if it happens, they're not going to be sued. You know, well, it was in the it was in the you know the paperwork, yep. and we told you that might happen, that so it was your choice to read it was, or not. Was all, yep, that leaky butt what? syndrome was was in the paperwork. So, well, and yeah. a lot of people don't realize like how they do these tests. Like when they do research, they they want to get, they want to have positive results. So they they have to really select who they're gonna go after. They have to right. You know, if you have certain types of other co-occurring, they're not gonna want to put you in the study because then you're gonna throw. The stuff off if um so it's a very select group of people because why would they spend all this money to research something and then have negative results so yeah it's just something to keep in mind right. especially if you have co-occurring that you probably weren't who they tested on yeah right. the world is waking up a bit right. we are we are becoming more trusting of ourselves and advocating for ourselves yeah. versus just blindly trusting what you know we've been told to trust so this, yeah. that's very hopeful for me that we're having this conversation even oh yeah 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 well i love you guys love you too, i'm old 
and I got I out know. of bed, but I love you guys so <laughs> much. <laughs> Is that my cue for the, the outro music? I was yeah, like, man. I could do this all night, like 20 minutes ago, and now I'm like yawning and stuff. <laughs> uh, like, I know, Ooh. like, I, I, I'm an early riser, and I could hang out with you misfits all night long, but <laughs> I'm old and got to go to bed. I love you guys, though. Love you. <laughs> Thanks so much, Pamela. You've been yeah, amazing man. here tonight, as always. Thank you. Thank you. I missed all you guys. I'm so glad to and, be back. Uh, missed your face, man. <laughs> yeah. Love you. <laughs> and the quiet man, Brett. Hey, it's my time to talk. The amazing ah. girl, bad. <laughs> and I, I feel like sometimes I just I get so focused on pushing the buttons that I, I can't put thoughts together and push buttons so sometimes <laughs> i'm a little quiet but uh, thank so, you for everybody that watched this show tonight if you are watching us on youtube be sure to like and subscribe to the channel turn on the notifications uh we go live every thursday night uh shout out to the people that watched us tonight on instagram that was our first time broadcasting to instagram so hopefully it went all right we kind of i kind of changed up the layout of things on the fly to make it fit on the Instagram screen a little bit better because those people just saw basically the little middle sliver of the video. So hopefully that was all right. Um, Jason, you have your own podcast, sir. You want to tell us a little bit about that? Yes, I do. It's called the way out podcast. There's a whole lot of content, like 333 episodes. I think we're at right now. Uh, and it's, powerful recovery stories and then some episodes are recovery power topics to help you find or jumpstart your own recovery and then we also have the way out playlist it's exclusively on spotify same logo and uh that's a curated list from all of our great guests songs that they picked that symbolize recovery to them check it out Awesome. North! LC, you have a podcast as well. You want to tell us a little bit about that? I certainly do. The Recovery Soul Food Podcast is an awakened recovery podcast. We just try to help navigate people through that soul awakening that we all seem to be going through in this beautiful recovery movement. And so we have stories of hope there. We have guidance on healing and, and trauma-related things. So check out Recovery Soul Food. And also we're doing the, uh, the Deeper Truth Healing Hour right here on Recovery Revolution Live on Saturday nights now. So you can check out those things here on Recovery Revolution Live at um, Elsa, uh, Lona Curry on Facebook and... Yeah, all the iTunes and all the stuff. Go check it out. Nice. And I also have my own podcast. I think the Ooh. only person... Who, I went, Ashley, when are you going to start a podcast? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Never. I, I kid. I kid. Never. Never. I have a podcast as well. I just actually started back up yesterday. I, I, I took the month of January off to spend a little bit of time with uh, my newborn daughter but i just started back up on recovery survey uh it has been coined as morsels of recovery i do like a little 30 minute episode so check that out we also release the audio from the live stream as a podcast as well so if you can't sit here and look at us the whole time but you want to take us <laughs> with you you can also download the audio version of this podcast uh on your favorite podcast player 
Um, I think that's everything, guys. So uh, we will see you guys next Thursday night with another incredible guest and more amazing recovery talk. Remember, guys, progress, not perfection. Noise! Outstanding. <laughs> <laughs>